I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Next is now. Could your air conditioner and refrigerator go green? The Environmental Protection Agency has finalized a new rule that would cut hydrofluorocarbons by 85% over the next 15 years. How is this going to affect the planet? How is it going to affect businesses? And how are they going to have to adapt to that change? Dino Grandoni is a reporter for The Washington Post who covers energy environmental policy, joins us today to help us break this all down. Uh, Dino, thanks for coming on air with us today. Boy, thank you for having me on. Uh, so you had a, uh, a great piece, uh, of course, in the Washington Post uh, dealing with this thing that was uh, actually included as part of some of the uh, pandemic relief package over a year ago. And so I wanted to break down, one, what is this? Was this Congress really acting or was this uh, Congress once again kind of punting over to the EPA uh, to decide uh, what to do about some of these things relating to the environment? Well, oftentimes Congress is going to punt to agencies to do the dirty work. But, right. Um, <laughs> they <basically>, love that. <laughs> right. And that's what agencies are there to do, to implement the will of Congress. So basically, this is one of these issues that actually uh, on climate change that actually gets some broad bipartisan support. There is a broad recognition that this class of chemicals is really dangerous for the planet in terms of warming it. Hydrofluorocarbons are somewhere between hundreds or thousands of times worse than carbon dioxide. So... What Congress directed the EPA to do here is to wind down the use of these chemicals over the next 15 years. These are an incredibly versatile set of chemicals used across industries. Probably the best known uses in refrigerators and air conditioners. They are used as a cooling agent, but that's not all. They're used in fire extinguishers. They're used in building insulation. They're used to even build boats. So all these different industries are going to have to kind of retool how they work. Yeah, and so let's let's break that down a little bit in terms of what that might mean. Uh, and you, you mentioned the refrigerants and uh, things. So uh, we know that many of these are leaking out of uh, grocery stores, small grocery stores, large grocery stores. Uh, so how is that going to impact uh, business uh, in terms of how they're going to have to adapt and adjust based on this rule? Well, first off, the device makers, the manufacturers of air conditioners and refrigerators are in general enthusiastic about this new rule, as well as the chemical companies that manufacture these chemicals. Um, they basically have a new market now for alternative refrigerant chemicals uh, that are much less harmful for the climate, and they can begin selling these things. For other sorts of businesses that have to use these, um, there is a more mixed reaction. We have a lot of supermarkets. We've seen a lot of supermarkets come out and say that they want to reduce their use and their dependency on these chemicals, companies like Aldi or Whole Foods. And uh, we've seen a little bit of, I don't want to say resistance, but there are some industries like uh, the makers of recreational boats 
that are really say that they might struggle to figure out an alternative to these things. HFCs are used uh, to create the lightweight foam that is used to build the hulls of a lot of the boats that people uh, probably like to use on uh, the Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a lot of great places for recreation. Uh, with the boating industry will definitely, uh, I'm sure, chime in loudly uh, on some of those. Uh, but as you, you mentioned at the outset, uh, Dino, this is one of those areas where there is some good bri- bipartisan support in terms of, hey, let's be careful stewards of the environment. Let's figure out uh, how to do this a little differently. Uh, and so as you look at that broadly, boats, if you look at uh, those that are creating these, you know, large uh, freezers and refrigeration systems uh, for organizations uh, and companies, uh, there's also a, a personal component to this in terms of just kind of air conditioning uh, that uh, the average uh, user, the average uh, household is going to take place uh, or is going to use. Uh, what does that look like in terms of how this uh, new rule will, will impact that? Right. So just to be clear here, the government is not coming to anyone's home to take out their air conditioner. No. <laughs> that's not what this rule does. And that's what's yeah, let's, happen. Let's, um, not start, let's not start that rumor today. They're coming for right. your air conditioner. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it, it's, it's basically curbing the use of these chemicals by manufacturers to build the products that we, we enjoy. So what it might mean is a year, five years, 10 years from now, it's going to be harder to, well, not harder, but you're, the air conditioner you get off the shelf at a store will contain different chemicals that are less harmful for the environment. And that's what it'll mean. It'll be a, r- a rather invisible change for uh, most people. Okay. And, and I think that's the important thing to, to recognize oh. is that there is uh, there is time. We do have a 15-year window in terms of uh, making this all work and fly. And obviously, we do want to make sure we're getting to the levels, uh, you know, with these kind of super pollutants, I think, is, is what we have to be careful of. Is there anything else in the rule or in the implementation of this uh, things that we should be watching for as uh, as you look at it. We've seen other countries, such as those in Europe, uh, try to curb the use of these chemicals as well. And what has unfortunately happened uh, across the Atlantic is a boom in the illicit trade and sale of these chemicals. So mm. regulators here in the U.S. are really mindful of that and want to try to curb the use of these things in a way that you know really prevents HFCs made abroad from getting into the country. So there's going to be what the EPA and as well as the Department of Homeland Security want to do is implement a system by which all the canisters of these chemicals coming into the country, they all have QR codes on them and they'll be scanned and checked and no one can bring in anything illegally. That is the hope and goal of the federal government now is to prevent the uh, HFCs from coming in the country that uh, ought not to be here. Okay, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, talking about kind of the bipartisan nature of this, we do know that there are uh, over 70 companies, including uh, companies like 3M, Honeywell, and others that uh, have reported either making or importing these chemicals between 2011 and, and 2019, according to some of those uh, EPA documents. Uh, has there been much of a uh, fuss or is there much of a lobbying effort going on to, to slow this process down or uh, to, uh, to inhibit the implementation of this from the EPA? I would say broadly, the manufacturers of these chemicals are relatively supportive of this law. Congress has provided a long runway to um, switch up the sort of chemicals that are used in refrigerators. And uh, these same chemical companies will be making the alternative chemicals, too. So they have an opportunity to create a whole new market of the alternatives. So they see a business opportunity in this. Oh, okay. And that's uh, that's a good thing. 
Um, and uh, and so I know at a time when the uh, the administration is looking for some wins, uh, is this one of those uh, bipartisan wins that uh, we can actually point to and say, hey, here's actually an area where we are coming together in order to do something good? Yeah, certainly the law that empowered the EPA to do this was passed in a bipartisan nature with significant Republican support. So, yeah, one could cast this as a bipartisan win. Um, it is coming at a time, though, that is really tough for President Biden. He is and his allies, Democratic allies in Congress, are trying to pass both an infrastructure bill and a reconciliation bill that contains different policies that for so many of their priorities, including climate change. These bills would put a lot of money toward the adoption of solar panels and wind turbines and electric vehicles. And it's currently in a stalemate in Congress now between moderates and uh, progressives in the Democratic Party, uh, and they're trying to figure out a way of moving forward. Yeah, fantastic. Dino Grandoni, reporter for The Washington Post, who covers energy and environmental policy. Uh, Thanks for weighing in today. Appreciate your perspective on this one. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Our goal is to create a beloved community. This will require a qualitative qualitative change in our souls as well as a quantitative change in our lives. Martin Luther King III spoke at BYU today talking about this idea of the beloved community. We'll break it down coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.